everybody. Thanks again for joining me today for another episode. I don't know why I do Every time I start talking, I'm all like, all over my face. I don't know why I do this. Sorry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. Um, I'm not going to attempt numbers. I always do this. Uh, so I want to thank you all for your support. Had a bit of a somber episode last week because I found out some bad news about a previous guest on the show. Um, so I wanted to just share her interview again. Um, cause I was, you know, it's, it's always, it's never nice when you, when you find out someone that you've spoken to has, um, has passed away. Uh, but Stephanie was lovely. She was awesome. And, um, I shared the interview from, I think it was last year. I spoke to Stephanie and I shared it for, for this week's. Um, but today I'm speaking to Nazarin and she is, uh, I met Nazarin for the first time in London, um, at the APPG, uh, meeting that we went to. And uh, we were chatting with Professor Norman Fenton and a couple of other people and Nazarene herself. And um, she was speaking to me about uh, a certain documentary. So we'll go into that in more detail. Anyway, welcome to the show, Nazarene. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's all right. It's all right. Thank you for coming. So we've been chatting briefly off air real quick um, because there's lots to talk about. But just um, just for people that don't know you if they've been living under a rock um with regards to the to the documentary so you were involved in the the bbc2 documentary unvaccinated is that correct yeah I yeah was. you was right so can you tell me how you got involved in that like the, the the story and then obviously the other stuff that we spoke about with regards to the whole kind of filming of it and basically how it was for you if that's all right yeah, yeah so a friend of mine um at the time he was supposed to go on, um, but because he had like other commitments, he couldn't take the week off. And then he um, thought of me and he thought I'd be a good person to do it instead. So he asked them to ask me instead. Um, and when he told me that, I was very um, in two minds about it. It was a very, you know, I was very conflicted. I didn't know whether to do it or not, because obviously I don't trust BBC. I knew how it would go. Um, I knew that they would edit things and, um, you know, basically they would determine how the course of the documentary would roll out and they would, you know, they already had their own game. And I, I knew that, but um, obviously I felt it was a really good opportunity to air um, the COVID vaccine injuries and deaths um, and basically just give another side to it so that the UK public could understand that this is not a vaccine that comes without um you know risk because that's what they're making it out to be um and i don't even believe it's a vaccine personally um it doesn't do what vaccines are supposed to do not anyway like, i'm not going to go into vaccines in general but yeah um so i yeah that was a good opportunity for me to do that and I felt I had to take it I thought I'd be silly not to at least try um, to get something out there and obviously I did manage to get them to air the Pfizer documents so that was the first time that the Pfizer documents were aired on the BBC um, I think the first and only time actually so yeah I think when a lot of people saw that they were shocked because they hadn't heard anything about them and I've got messages from people saying that, you know, they were so angry at that moment because they didn't know why they were seeing it for the first time from like a 21 year old girl when that should have been told to them by the experts, you know, by the government, 
because that's an official document which shows that this vaccine has, you know, serious risks. Um, so yeah, I, I'm glad I did it because I at least managed to get that piece of information out there. Hmm. So what were you doing before the documentary from a kind of, uh, I know we're here on your Twitter bio, which I will put on the screen now because it's in all no expenses spared studio. Um, you got yourself down as a professional conspiracy theorist, which I think is brilliant. Um, what were you doing before the documentary came about then? Because obviously to go on there and talk about what you did, you you should, you would have been already kind of like knee deep in it um, anyway. So mm -hmm. what, um, I don't want to sit here and say, where were you when COVID struck, but kind of like what, what were you kind of doing prior to going on to the, to the documentary? So I was from the very beginning. Um, well, I probably believed it for about two weeks, but then I was like, Hmm, something's not right here. Um, I, yeah, I could sense there was something wrong. Um, I could sense it was a load of fear propaganda. Um, I could see the similarities between, um, you know, Nazi Germany and what was going on there, the restrictions, the mandates, the the lack of um, free will, you yeah. know? Um, and I didn't want to follow any of the restrictions and I didn't. Um, I was posting about this a lot on my Instagram. Uh, if you go on my story highlights, you can see my posts from like I think March 2020. So I started very early posting about it to try and get people to think about it more and sort of realize that it's not what they're trying to paint it out to be. But I was met with a lot of backlash from friends and family, from um, people I knew. Um, yeah, I've had loads of people unfollow me. I had loads of people stop talking to me. Loads of people blocked me. People I thought were my friends people I thought my family as well. Um, I lost a lot of people in that time, um, which I kind of get because obviously a lot of people did believe it at first. Um, it, you know, it's something they've never seen before. It's something they've heard about, but never experienced. So they didn't know how to go about it and they believed it um, immediately. And they believed the propaganda about how many people were dying from it. And they, you know, they were scared and they, they wanted to do the right thing. So I don't really blame them. I understand where they were coming from. I just wish they were a bit more um, open-minded and a bit less trusting of the government. So, yeah, I was quite disappointed by a lot of people in that moment. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, yeah, I was doing outreach. I was doing yellow boards um you know a lot of trying to get the information out there there was one time I even went on the streets with a megaphone on my own just like shouting there was a time I wanted to go to a school a secondary school which was very near to where I was living at the time to um just with a megaphone um and a speaker you know playing music and trying to tell the children about what's going on and to give them leaflets to give to their parents about the um, risks with the COVID vaccine. Because at that point, they were trying to push it in schools, which I'm so glad about this, but a very few amount of students actually did end up getting it in the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that is, I think a lot of that is because of the people who are going to schools 
and giving the information out to the to the parents and giving out leaflets and you know making noise outside schools you know getting the students engaged in you know the songs about covid vaccine mm. you know being dangerous like especially Ramis um I'm going to shout him out he's a good friend of mine he was going he was traveling around the country going to so many schools with a group of people and playing his song don't take the vaccine outside the schools mm. um and getting the kids to you know dance with him and they were they just thought he was so cool they really looked up to him and I think he is the reason that a lot of people because a lot of people actually followed what he was doing and went to schools themselves so mm -hmm. he started this massive movement of going to schools a lot of people didn't want him to do it but he did it anyway um because he realized there was something there something powerful mm -hmm. that would make a big difference so yeah that's I'm very glad that that had that effect um so yeah that's what I was doing before yeah fair play to you i mean it's it's good to see and I don't mean this in a patronising way. It's good to see someone um, of a younger age um, kind of stand up and fight because it, it did feel like it does feel like even still now trying to talk to some of the youth, mm. um, you know, they don't even want to. I mean, I know what I was like at 21. Uh, I was just about to come out of the military at 21 and I didn't care about the government or anything else that anybody over the age of 30 was talking about. It was all rubbish. Um, but it's, it's good that... Um, that you did what you did to, to try and get the youth involved because i think there, there there was there is still now a, a gap between you know no one no one can really identify with the youth um which is which is a shame oh, okay so well that's good you doing all that sort of stuff everybody's got like a nice story building up to it and then everyone's kind of like fell into what they were doing like a happy accident almost like the universe is making it so which i think is um is a very you know is, is a good thing i never planned on doing this and if you'd have told me last year i'll be doing this i was like <laughs> <laughs> well, if you told me I weren't in the NHS last year, I would have laughed in your face as well. But mm. hey, things change. All right, so talk me through the, uh, the the documentary experience, please. I know we touched on this briefly in London. That's what made me like want to talk to you more about it. Um, but um, but now we've established that you are a true uh, warrior. Warrior? <laughs> I don't even know. I make up words all the time on this show. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll take warrior. We, we can be, can't we? Can't be. Yeah. Uh, We'll take that. Um, so yeah, so it's it's good. So what? What? Tell me, tell me the experience, please, of of, of what the documentary was like, because it, it was filmed in an offsite offsite location. Is that right? Yeah, it was filmed near Bristol, mm -hmm. um, in a very big mansion kind of house thing. Um, we all had our own rooms. It was five un no five or six. I think six unvaccinated people. Um, living in one house together um, and basically explaining our side as to why we're not vaccinated. And then Hannah Fry was the presenter of this. She's a professor um, and I think she studied mathematics from what I remember. So she was there trying to, well, she said, it wasn't meant to be her convincing us, but that's what she said at the beginning of the documentary. So it was her trying to convince us to get the COVID vaccine by the end of it. <laughs> wow. Well, we all know how that went, didn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got my big and see, right? You know, yeah, you can free think just as long as it's what we wanted you to think. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So I haven't seen the documentary yet because I really wanted to watch it. 
Um, but uh, so how did you get access to the Pfizer documents before anybody else? And talk us through you dropping it into the conversation and then obviously the reaction, because I, I know they were they did they, they did they didn't know you had that information either, did they? Well, it wasn't it wasn't before everyone else had it. Okay. So it was already out, but people didn't know about it, obviously, because mm-hmm. they didn't put it on the news, on any mainstream news anyway. They didn't put it, um, you know, it wasn't made available to the public. It's, it was quite hard to find. Only the conspiracy theorists really had access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did the experts, but they just didn't um, show the public for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't have it before everyone else, but I was... I knew that the BBC viewers wouldn't have seen it. Hmm. And I was right. They hadn't seen it. They saw it for the first time from me. So that's why I knew I had to get that out to them because they are the people who needed to see it the most, I think. They're yeah. the ones who fell for all, the, all of the BBC propaganda, you know, because for COVID and the vaccine and everything else. So I wanted them to see how wrong they are and how how much they've been lied to and how much information's been hidden from them um so yeah it, basically i just explained that there are so many injuries and deaths from it and that's when i put in well i didn't put it in but i just started talking about the pfizer documents i listed the most common adverse reactions from it um, and yeah, they basically, I just said what it says on the documents, you know, I, I said how many pages there are, nine pages, um, which is obviously more than any other drug I've ever heard of ever. Um, and yeah, basically what they did with that is they tried to make it seem like it wasn't as scary as it looks, <laughs> which is crazy. Um. So yeah, they, they they showed it on the screen as I was talking about it. They showed like pictures okay. of pages, which was, I, I didn't expect them to do that. I thought they would just edit the whole thing out. Um, but yeah, they did put them in. And then they had Hannah afterwards, after I finished speaking, saying, you know, it looks really, really scary. Like I can understand why they're scared. Like if you look at it, it's it looks terrifying, but you know, it doesn't actually say that's what caused it. And it's just like, what the hell? And I every I think most people who watch that would just see what's so wrong with her thought process because it looks scary because it is scary. It looks scary because that's what's happening to people. Mm. And people have realized that they've taken something which could harm them and they now they can't go back you know that's already inside them and now it's just like a waiting game to see if it affects them or not Mm. that's why it looks scary yeah um because it is so for her to sort of you know completely put it down and just say oh yeah that that, you know it's not as scary as it looks i think a lot of people watched that and they were like okay there's something wrong here i've had so many messages from people saying that i've changed their viewpoint on life in general just just because I said that and her reaction to it. Um, mm. It was also a point where I was talking about my um, friend's adverse reactions to her vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she 
I was going through all of these, you know, crazy symptoms like paralysis, suspected heart attacks, um, so many symptoms she had. I was going through them. And after all of that, all Hannah had to say is, yeah, but how can you be sure that's what caused it? And I was like, wow, you've just made yourself look so stupid. And I just like carried on. And I was like, well, if you've had, if you were completely healthy before, and then you suddenly have all of these, you know, like 65 different adverse reactions after a dose of your vaccine that you had, you know, you can't really, what else is it going to be? What else are you going to put it down to? And then, yeah, she, she was like, yeah, but it's it's not 0% that it's, it couldn't be from something else. And I was like, what? And people watched that as well. And they were just shocked that she, you know, was so in denial that, you know, it, it would be okay if she said, okay, that's fine. That happened to her, but it's very, very rare. That would be mm -hmm. fine. Like, it's not true. It's not rare. It, or it's not as rare as they make out. But that would be much better to at least acknowledge that it's happening but instead of acknowledging it's happening she just was like oh yeah but you can't be sure it's that that's what caused it so that yeah that definitely made people question um bbc's intentions because they couldn't admit to something which was so blatant and so obvious yeah they were being very british about it weren't they like if we ignore it it won't happen it will go mm -hmm. away that's not how life works, sadly. No, it's not. And I think we've realised that now, haven't we, really, to be honest with you. I mean, it's amazing that you did that, first off the bat, all right? Um, it's it's good. And I don't think, being a professional conspiracy theorist myself, um, mm -hmm. we don't get the recognition that we that we deserve. And I don't mean recognition as in, like, uh, financial gains or anything like that. Just an odd pat, pat on the back sometimes, you know what I mean? To say, do you know what, mate? You're doing a good job. Um because I don't think people appreciate just how difficult it is to be consistently a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you know, because it's hard, it's hard. You know, you can't just pick your topics. If you're going to go in and be a conspiracy theorist, you've got to go all in, baby. I mean, um, they just keep coming and they just keep happening. So it's yeah. kind of well, hard not it. to. Yes. Yeah. You, you don't get tired of being right, but you kind of a, get tired of being right. <laughs> or at least trying mm -hmm. to say to people, like, I told you, but, but I'm not telling you this as I told you so. It's just, I did tell you, you could have done something about it um mm. and there are um, some things i don't want to be right about but exactly yeah yeah 100 and i think that's that's been the case i mean I, i've i've had a few people on here have been bereaved and injured uh and the gaslighting that they've they've experienced and, and they've discussed has just been absolutely horrendous and um mm. I, I, it just it, it just makes me sad uh and, and then i don't even want to start talking about the um the reactions in pregnancy and and the data for that as well because that's just um it's 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 difficult but we've got to keep, we've got to keep doing what we do haven't we that's the thing yeah um because so there's there was, more things coming sorry there are more things coming um which are going to affect everyone so if we just you know stop and basically you know allow this to take over us and allow it to paralyze us and not be able to speak about other things it's just going to lead them to be able to you know enforce other restrictions and other mandates which are going to end up you know causing the downfall of humanity we're going to be like basically government slaves soon mm. with the whole new world order coming up so mm. we can't stop at this we need to always remember that there's more coming and yeah that's what i'm trying to do at this point 
Well, that's good. That's good. It's what we all need to be. I mean, this time last year, people weren't talking about Klaus Schwab. I mean, my neighbour came and spoke to me a few weeks ago, uh, banging on about Klaus Schwab and everything else. And I was like, well, that's, you know, he, he doesn't kind of agree, not, not necessarily agree. When you start talking to people about the COVID jab mm. and medicine, they kind of, kind of flatline a little bit because it's just gobbledygook and you know that but other stuff that that has been happening that's a little bit more relatable like i was the energy crisis and the, the you know the uh climate climate change and all that kind of stuff they can relate to a lot more because i think it's a little bit easier to digest but as soon as you start mm. talking i think probably that's why everyone was so um not dismissive but it was just so difficult to talk to people about covid because it was a medical thing um everyone's like oh, i'm not a virologist i'm not a biologist and all this and it's like no you're not but you can read right and you can use your common sense as did most people um and i found out through the last probably three years that the probably the smartest people i know don't have degrees and unfortunately the stupidest people i know have degrees and phds so you know every day is a school day with this sort of thing the other five people that are with you do you still keep in touch with them or four because um, they're five of you all together yeah yeah we do well i keep in touch with some of them not everyone yeah um yeah um do you know if they're all all right yeah do you know they're yeah. all good i yeah. i think so the ones i speak to are all good like yeah, yeah. are they on the same sort of path as you um not probably not as um public yeah about it like they, they post about it and stuff but i've not seen any interviews recently so mm. um i think yeah i'm yeah i think i'm just like more out there with it but they're still you know they still believe what they believed there Good. so yeah it is hard to speak about this sort of thing publicly though isn't it it is it Sorry. is difficult i don't think people appreciate i mean just us speaking to each other now having a conversation you know it's it's not as easy to have a conversation with someone via uh, a video link it's much better to have a uh, you know someone there in person and, and this that, and the other so it's it, it, it is difficult um mm -hmm. and i've had a few people on it before they've never done podcasts or communicating before and, and it's difficult and you can see the, the stress in them so some people are just not not they don't not not great but they don't like to do any kind of public speaking um, i mean for, they were brave enough to go on that documentary anyway to you know try and do something so yeah you know that's, that's it that they've done their bit for sure yeah well, yeah this is it it's, 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 yeah I've, I've got anyone who speaks out even if it's just once i'm like you've you've, you've done something that's it you, you know mm -hmm. you don't need to do stuff every day um you know just 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 speaking out you know um okay so when you um was there anything else that was a bit weird about your experience at the uh, at the mansion mm. there was lots of weird things i know um, there was that's, just... <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> you were trying to think which, which one was the weirdest then that's why i was like right there's also so just rattle them off what was weird about it the weird things were whenever I had anything relevant to say, I was always shut up um, by a few people, not going to name any names. Sometimes the presenter herself, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I would get um, told to stop saying what I'm saying and that we're going to come to that another time, but we never came to it. So that was clearly just a lie. Mm. Um, and then I'd try and bring it up again. I'd get told not to say it now. We're going to come to that another time. Um, every time I had any stats to read out, um, they would just 
basically like sigh and roll their eyes because they probably weren't expecting me to come prepared with stats. I did act oh, quite evidence. evidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to act quite um, stupid in the interview in order to actually be sorry. Is that making noise? No, it's fine. Trust me, I've had dogs barking, people's shells dropping. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, we're not GB News here. Okay. Well, I had to act quite stupid in the interviews to um, actually get on in the first place um, because I knew that they weren't looking for someone who had, you know, statistics, numbers, figures. They weren't looking for that. They wanted someone who they could make a fool out of which they still try to do with me, but um, I don't think I allowed myself to say anything which could be used against me, um, which, mm. yeah, I was very careful. I think some people who went in weren't as careful as myself and Vicky were. Um, mm. We were the ones who, you know, we were both <laughs> paranoid the entire time, but for good reason, because they were, you know, it was basically like a hit piece kind of, yeah. against all of us, against the whole of the unvaccinated population in the UK. And we knew that. So we were very prepared. We were planning everything, you know, because they had their plans. They, The presenter was reading off a script, first of all. Um, right. Yeah, the, the professor of mathematics was being given stats by the producers. So they clearly had their own little plan in place. So we had ours. <laughs> and we were very careful about everything we said everything we were going to say we had to think about it think about how it could be used against us um and so we both had i mean the way that we were shown a lot of people resonated with us because they were happy that we didn't say anything which they disagreed with or which you know which they could which the producers could use against us yeah um and they, they, I think there are there are loads of comments from people saying that they feel that the others were actors because they said something which could be used against the unvaccinated population. For example, the microchip stuff. Yeah. Um, right. I don't think they were actors. I think that they were not very careful and they trusted the producers too much and they gave them too much um, stuff to use against them because they tried to do that with me as well. So I completely get how they are. You know, they're evil, they're ruthless. They will use anything you say to go against you. They kept us there, they filmed for ages. Like they, they didn't need to film for that long. It was, the whole documentary is only an hour. Right. Just over an hour, like 61 minutes or something. Mm. Yeah, they kept us in that house for five days and filmed every single day because they were trying to catch us out. They were trying to get us, you know, tired so that we, you know, said something which we might have not meant to say or which we probably shouldn't say, knowing that we're being filmed by people who want to make us look dumb. Mm. Um, and that, that was their tactic. It was a manipulation thing. Um, there were other manipulation tactics they used on us as well like waking us up very early for no reason because filming started like four hours later or five hours later sometimes. Um, so yeah, just basically keeping us tired, very long hours of filming for no reason, um, making us stay on high alert all day so that, you know, we can't chill because we have to, we might be called to film any moment. When they had their plan, they had their itinerary, they had their thing of what they were going to do yet. They just pretended like we had to 
you know, mm. constantly be ready to be filmed, which wasn't the case. So it was a thing of, yeah, definite manipulation. Um, yeah, the snacks they had available were like really unhealthy things like cereal, crisps, chocolate. Whereas they, in their own little outhouse, had, you know, good food, which um, I think that was another thing. I mean, I can't say this for sure, but for me, it felt like they were, you know, giving us um, loads of unhealthy things so that we, you know, it, it, when you're eating rubbish all day, it does make you feel weaker. It does make you not be able to form your um, thoughts as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely had an effect as well. Um, they were constantly, like, watching us, <laughs> which sounds weird, but they really were. Like, there was a point where I was in my bedroom having a conversation with my mum over the phone, and then I hear creaking floorboards um, outside my room, and I I was like, mum, one second. I had to go to the door five minutes later because I just couldn't. I, I knew that there was someone there. Like I could hear creaking floorboards. And I just like opened the door really fast. <laughs> and then one of the crews just stood there and she looked shocked that I've just opened the door. And I'm like, sorry, how long have you been standing there? And she was like, I just got here. And I was like, no, you haven't. You were there for like five minutes or more. Like I, I heard your creaking footsteps why are you lying to me and I was like why are you spying on me like what are you trying to catch me out are you trying to listen to my conversation like it was so weird um so I think they were I mean I can't say for sure again she might have mm. just been nosy but it was very weird um it happened to a few other people as well I don't know if that was um something planned or not but obviously it's just it was very weird. Um, it it's felt... not journalistic behavior, is it, really? No, it's, it's not. not the behavior of journalists. It sounds very kind of behavioral, psychological kind of kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Nudge unity, you know, the nudge unit, you know, and all that. Maybe they've, you know, I mean, I mean, look, they knew they cast people for stuff all the time. That's what they do. So they will have casting experts. So they would have known exactly the type of person that they wanted to get on that documentary. So if they're trying to think of someone that they can use to be, if someone if someone's going to be talking about microchips in the vaccine, they're going to get them on there straight away, aren't they? Because they don't need to say that they're yes, and they don't need to call you anti-vax or anything like that. They just need to let you talk about five G and um, microchips and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you kind of in their eyes, you're kind of doing it for them, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, but it's the sheer arrogance about them that they think they can just pick people, sit them down, and just you know, get into, I mean, and unfortunately, you know, the last couple of years have shown us that there are more people that will, you know, play into their hands than they wouldn't, but so glad you were there. I'm so glad you got, and you got your hustle on as well, because, yeah, uh, so it's, I'm glad, so you <laughs> literally kind of like planned it as in like, right, I'll pretend to be stupid. And then um, when I actually, um, you know, get asked a question, I'll just be like, oh, let me just consult my notes and then I'll get my monocle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> fair play though man fair play i mean and they would have never have given it away either that you were kind of caught them on the back foot either because they're they're kind of like it's not their first rodeo is it they know what they're doing mm -hmm. yeah they i mean yeah once i was there they couldn't just remove me um 
because they probably knew how that would look. So, um, yeah, they just had to deal with it, sadly, for them. <laughs> I was going to say for them, yeah, sadly for, for them. them. <laughs> right, so that's... Um... Uh, but uh, I, this is the story you told me when, when we met in London about them standing outside your door. And that's, I was like, whoa, that's uh, kind of a whole level of rapey there. Do you know what I mean? It's just, um, oh, it's just standing here all the time, you know, like a stalker. <laughs> wow. But then the thing, what, oh, anyway, maybe they were listening for stuff to see if you were, had you signed anything then at the time or anything like that? Were they checking I mean, you like? We weren't supposed to tell anyone we were going on, but I was living with my mum, so I told my mum, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so she knew about it. I also needed some mental support because obviously it's a big thing to agree to. Mm. Um, I knew what I was letting myself in for. I knew I was going to have a lot of backlash, a lot of people um, hating me, which is what happened. I had death threats every day for a period of time. Um, and just, uh, I can't even explain this because no one will ever understand because they, they haven't been in that position. But when you are manipulated every single day um, and, you know, when people are trying to make you out to be crazy um, on camera and when you have to be so careful with everything you say and use that mental energy to think about every single thing you say how can this be used against me how can you know how can someone take this and manipulate it to mean something else you know what what will happen if I say this like I had to think about every single thing that came out of my mouth whilst trying to speak up for the whole unvaccinated UK public and people who have been injured and people who've lost family members or friends from the vaccine so I had to constantly be on top form mm -hmm. and not allow anything to go wrong because I, I knew I had one chance at this and I couldn't mess it up. So uh, mm. you smashed it though. You smashed it, thank man. Thank you. So you did smash it. When when you're going through that, you need a lot of support from people. And I was every single day I had a full on mental breakdown. I'm talking falling on the floor and just like crying, weeping into the floor in front of everyone, by the way. I was, I really, really felt it so deeply because I have, you know, family members and friends who have died or been injured from it. Mm. So I was in my mind and in my heart, I felt like I was speaking up for, you know, them as well, which I was so heartbroken anyway that I'd lost them or that they, were struggling so much from it that and then you're sat there trying to explain this to people on camera knowing it's going to air on tv and then you get hit with oh how can you be sure oh yeah but that's not really happening oh yeah but that you know that's all in your mind what if they're just imagining it it's a placebo effect like they literally said that it's a nocebo placebo effect whatever they tried to say mm -hmm. they were saying it's all in their minds um so obviously that really affected me because I know it's happening, but they're trying to convince me it's not. And that's mm. just straight up gaslighting. And it really did affect me. I really, really was, yeah. If you if you listen to the voice notes that I sent to my mom, <laughs> it is just like, 
you can hear that I was not okay. I was actually, yeah, mentally not okay in that week I stayed in that house. And that's never really happened to me before. So, um, yeah, it, it clearly had an effect. They also had a therapist who refused to help me, um, a TV therapist who they used for their productions. But the therapist, I never actually got to have a therapy appointment with any of their therapists for different reasons every single time. Mm. I don't know what that was about, but yeah, they definitely did not support me mentally, sadly. Almost like they were trying to orchestrate it, weren't it? And then get all the filming in on the fifth day when you're, you're most fatigued, you've had bad food, you're tired, you're stressed. Mm -hmm. You'll say anything just to get out of there, wouldn't you, I think? Yeah, they did have a caterer though, once a day. So I'm not once saying they only... Yeah, I'm not saying they only gave us crisps, but it was was mm. it was once a day the caterer gave us some food. So you only had one <laughs> meal a day. Uh, yeah. What are we in the war? <laughs> Somebody did felt so, like it. Yeah, I know. you have one cooked meal a day. <clears throat> rations, crikey, Drew. Well, it's the BBC for you, isn't it? They're tight anyway, so you know. I mean, they, they probably had a specific budget, and then that was it. Or um, they just didn't care about us because we're anti-vaxxers. Well, yeah, I was trying to be, you know, trying to be nice there a little bit for him. But <clears throat> when I did my uh, claim to fame, when I got interviewed by, <laughs> I'm only joking. When I, I got, I got phoned up when I was um, shouting about the mandates and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had lots of people phoning me up, journalists phoning. I had so many interviews on the phone, and literally none of them got aired. And this is what I was trying to say to people: you have no idea how much time was spent chatting to people for it only never to be aired because you didn't say what they wanted you to say. But I had a few people phone me up from the BBC. All they wanted to know was what trust I was working for at the time, which I refused to tell them because I knew they'd use that against me um, yeah. and that I could get done potentially for that. So I didn't, you know, I, I purposely made sure I kept my trust out of it and and all that. And I, I didn't get into trouble for that sort of stuff. But um, they were desperately trying to. Um, and it was all very kind of, um, you know, are you not worried that you're going to pass it on to anybody? And it was all very like guilt ridden questions. Are you not worried about this? And why are you not doing this? And it was like, listen, sweetheart. And I didn't mean to, I remember saying to her on the phone, sweetheart, I put my life at risk every day being a paramedic. I don't even think about it. So I'm not going to think about this either any, in any different way because I don't have time to do that when I go to see patients. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just simple as that. They just could not get their head around it. <clears throat> um, but um, yeah. But they really, they wanted some, have you got any photographs of you working? And I said, I'm a paramedic, sweetheart. When I'm in the middle of a cardiac arrest, I don't take selfies. Wow. Uh, and it's just stupid things like that. It's like, no, I don't. And even if I did, I wouldn't send you a picture of me on the ambulance and all that. I just, you know, it's just like, you're not trying to glamorize this sort of thing. But um, mm -hmm. it was just strange. Uh, out of about 20 interviews, literally five from different people, different BBCs in the country, um, I didn't even gone out, really. Um and then what I'd only know that they did was when I'd get a message from a friend saying, oh, I've just heard you on the radio or something like that. So it was, you know, I don't think people appreciate once you're in that organ grinder, it's um, they either do stuff, you know, it's either a good time or it's a bad time, mm. um, unfortunately. Yeah. OK, so obviously, when the, when the, how soon after filming did the documentary drop to the public? A very, quite a long time after filming, actually. Um, so we filmed in May and it aired in July. So it was meant to air very, very soon after filming, but it didn't. And I feel like they weren't expecting to have so much they had to edit out. <laughs> mm. And they had to think about it very carefully because um, they knew that I... I don't think they were expecting so many stats from our side. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I came armed with a whole notebook filled with stats about every single thing that they could possibly bring up, you know, masks, um, tests, um, which, you know, my, an argument that we had was if you are basing your numbers and your figures off positive COVID tests, they are very highly ineffective anyway. Yeah. So you're basing your, you're basing your entire argument on inaccurate stats. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. Um, and then they didn't really know what to say to that. You know, they were like, oh, no, they are effective. You know, they are they are accurate, whatever. Um, so they. Yeah, anyway, like I'm, like I was saying, I had a whole notebook full of stats, figures, um, websites, uh, links, you know, everything to basically win every single debate that we had, which is what happened. Yet they edited out every single one of my stats. I was so, going to say to you, yeah, how much did they edit out? Imagine that. Not one stat was included. Not one. Of course, because that's actual evidence, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I used stats and um, figures um, in every single conversation that we had, every single debate we had. I had stats and I used them at every opportunity, yet they literally removed every single one of them. So I think that says it all. Mm -hmm. Why are you removing stats from the other side? Why don't you want people to hear them? Well, yeah, because if you're trying to humiliate someone, you would let them sit there and, and spew out ineffective rubbish stats if that was the case, wouldn't it? And then you'd explain yeah. why they're wrong. Yes, you would over the you top. You weren't able you? to do that. In a, in a very stern BBC over the top kind of voice. Nazarene is actually wrong in her assumptions. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, as this peer reviewed study by the BBC journalist says, right. You know. <laughs> it, uh, it goes back to the arrogance again, though. This is what annoys me. It's the arrogance of this pure, like, they live in this complete different echelons of, of, of life where they just think everybody who's the great unwashed, we are just all thick and we don't do this and you know we're all you know and all that kind of stuff and it's just like no 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 we're not like that at all mate we just don't care what you think mm -hmm. but um you know and, and i just like i've met so many cool people since doing this i've lost some friends as, as we all have i don't think people appreciate it's um the the the, the, the kind of uh the pre not not the pressure um the shit, basically. I don't think people appreciate the shit that it causes in your life when you go around this sort of stuff and it, and you're like one of the only people speaking out against stuff. And um, mm. my family, so parts of my family, I wasn't allowed to see them because I wasn't jabbed and they didn't want me coming down. The irony is, is they ended up giving it to the rest of the family anyway. Mm. That's, how so it anyway. That's how it goes. <laughs> so anyway, but you know, but we don't talk about that. We just pretend it didn't happen. And it, mm. it, it grieves me a little bit because it's like, it, it should be spoken about because your behavior was disgusting but you know because i'd never do that to anybody in my family um and i do appreciate people were scared but i'm the only one in my family that has any medical knowledge and no one listened to me wow. <laughs> so it's like whoo but if it was to do with anything else other than covid it's like oh can you look at this and can you do this and can you do that mm. but anything to do with covid i oh, know we don't we're not gonna listen to you there wow I can't like, okay that. so but um but yes it's it's it, it is what it is but um <clears throat> okay so um you, you obviously said that um it, it it was released a few months after so by the time that was released there was more evidence to support what you were saying mm -hmm. 
so I remember the documentary being released and I saw the clips of yourself and like I said, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I want to watch it. Um, too busy reading stuff. That's the problem, isn't it? I'm too busy reading stuff to try and stay ahead of the curve. And I just, uh, just, just need to win the lottery so I can just stay out and read with my tin <laughs> hat or tin foil sombrero. <laughs> with like little tin foil balls hanging off the end of it as well. I just yeah. said that'd be cool. Like, yeah, look at me in my sombrero. Um, <laughs> If, if you go big or go home, like, you know what I mean? You could just have one. Um, yeah. I just think that'd be great. I want a sombrero. <laughs> if anybody wants to send me a tin for sombrero, then that'd be great. And I promise I will wear it on the next show. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's, I've lost my train of thought now. It happens all the time. Um, um, loads more evidence to support. There we go. Thank thing. you very much. There we go. See, I knew there was a reason I brought you on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. So was it, um, when it actually came out into the public, I know you got death threats uh, from people and things, but overwhelmingly, was it more received in a better light or a darker kind of light? Absolutely. Much more positive people were coming into my um, DMs. And even if they didn't like agree with me, they were still like, you know, you're brave enough to share what you feel yeah um i was surprised how many people oh sorry don't worry i was surprised how many people messaged me to thank me for changing their minds on this oh, good. and what i said actually um made them do more research into it they were able to find more information um you know similar to what i was saying Mm. And basically, they were just, you know, they they were so grateful that I actually was able to say that to, you know, get them to change their minds on it. A lot of young people saying that they were going to get vaccinated. But then after watching that, they decided not to. Um, a lot of parents saying that they were going to vaccinate their children. Mm. But after watching that, they aren't going to do it anymore because they realize it's more risky um, than them actually contracting, you know, the virus or whatever you want to believe. Obviously, I know there's loads mm. of people who don't even believe in it. Oh, the amount of grief I get from people on my emails, crikey. You never talk about the, the COVID not being real because I've seen people die. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about that, but I can't, I mean... Something yeah. was killing people, whether it was COVID or not, whether it was 5G, whether it was radiate, I don't know. But I mm -hmm. saw people with chest x-rays that there was stuff on their chest that was stopping them from being able to breathe. And no matter how much oxygen they were given, we could not get them to breathe better. Mm -hmm. So something was causing that. Now, I do appreciate what everyone's saying, you know what I mean? But it's like people were dying. People weren't dying in the droves that they said they were. But when people were dying, those people were sick. And a good friend of mine that I do Kung Fu with, his missus, she caught COVID and she was on a ventilator for some, I mean, I didn't think she was going to get off it because she was on it for over, th over three months. She was on it for about 18 weeks. And I had to, I was chatting to him saying, look, you've got to prepare for the worst. And she came off it and she's fine and she's good now. Um, mm. You know what I mean? But something put her on that ventilator, you know? So I, I'm not dismissing, I, I am a professional conspiracy theorist, so I'm open to all sorts of arguments <laughs> and things, but I, People, stuff was killing people at that time and it was something new that we'd never seen before whatever mm. it was yeah um, there, were, there were also incorrect treatments they were giving the patients as well yes yes which caused I, a lot of the deaths um yes. so yeah there's I also know. that as well which is so yes. sad i've spoken to a friend of mine who was who works um in in, in hospital and he, and he was talking to me about when they were given remdesivir and i was like it causes real failure 
And he was like, yeah, I know, but it's better to get him to breathe and then we can worry about their renal function afterwards. And mm. I kind of get what he's saying because that's how it works in a &E, if you know what I mean. You, you, you're just trying to keep him alive and dealing with the problem at the time. If a patient's got SATs of 15 and they should be above 95, your main concern is getting more oxygen in their body, if you know what I mean, because if you don't, they'll die anyway. Mm. So, And that's how simple it can be in a and &E. I know that sounds inhumane, but it's not because if that's what you've got to try and treat – so if you've got a drug that will get them to breathe again and you keep them alive, then you can worry about their renal failure after, which isn't the greatest way of doing it. I really appreciate that. I fully appreciate that. And I'm not sticking mm. up for people, uh, the NHS. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I try to decide to give people a, a, a perception of what it's like as a clinician, because not mm. all of us were just blindly following orders. Um, yeah, but there were other drugs they could have done and used. And like they... ivermectin. Ooh, yep. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Uh, there's loads, you know, um, <clears throat> they could have just used all sorts of stuff, just giving people better vitamin D, vitamin C, better advice before, mm -hmm. uh, instead of saying, well, you know, when you can't breathe, phone an ambulance, you know, there was no preventative measures or anything. You know, we, we could go on forever here, could we really, to be honest yeah, with you? Yeah. Uh, but we're on the same side. <laughs> we are on the same side, always. <laughs> always, always. But you did the you did the best thing that could be done here, and that's where we're all struggling, is, is getting a message out to the asleep crew. And I don't like to say asleep, but the people that are not in as much um they're not been privy to as much information as we have should we say mm -hmm. uh because it's very easy to just talk in your echo chambers and it was like agrees with you and goes, yeah 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 it's true we need to try and get these messages out to those that are you know in the in the um in the dark should we mm -hmm. say so you did a really good job with that and you got a really good um response from it so anyway look, yeah, one more question anyway because <clears throat> i want to wrap this up because i'm conscious of time and you're busy what are you doing now with yourself how's things been since the documentary um pretty crazy actually um i had yeah so much support i got loads of extra followers like i i went from having a hundred followers on twitter which is like nothing because mm -hmm. i never used it um to suddenly well i think i'm up to 35.2k now so it just it was like overnight i got i think 20k followers wow. Wow. Um, and my phone was just going non-stop, mm. like it just wouldn't stop. So many lovely messages from people supporting me. Um, I've done loads of interviews since, loads of um, marches um, and outreaching, still outreaching. I think that's mm. the most important thing we can do at this point, get the information out there. And online, is it, it can be a bit tricky because obviously only a certain demographic of people will actually see what you put out yeah whereas which is what i'm I, i'm finding that with my instagram whenever i post anything it's the same people who are you know seeing it and not the people who actually need to see it so i feel like i'm wasting my time with that sometimes yeah. so i do tube outreaches so i go out onto the london underground <laughs> to um i basically like yeah make a speech about what's going on what has happened and what is happening and what will happen soon um, if we don't stop the tyranny which is happening in every single country mm. everywhere at this point it's all connected um, and yeah just basically whistleblowing about yeah vaccine injuries and deaths and the social credit system which is possibly approaching mm. us Mm, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people actually want to hear it now. They're not, 
completely ignoring it. They actually, because at one point they were just ignoring us or saying, you're crazy, you know, I don't want to hear it, you're mad. But now mm. that we've been right about so many things, including about the COVID vaccine, about, mm. um, you know, the mandates and stuff, people have realised the lockdowns were ineffective and completely, you know, they were a breach of human rights is what mm -hmm. they were. Yes, um, they were. So now that they've realised all of this and we were right about all of those things, they now really want to hear the information. You know, they're very willing to take a leaflet and at least read it. They ask us loads of questions about what's happening next, you know. It's Good. it's crazy. It's it's the the response from the public is so positive now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. Um, still still working. Yeah, I I do have a job. A lot of people tell me to get a job. I've got a full time job. Thank you very much. <laughs> I do everything <laughs> part time. All of this outreaching, I just do it in my free time whenever I have. We do all of it in our free time, don't we? That's the thing. And I love it when I get messages going, oh, you're such a grifter. It's like, mate, I wish I was getting paid. I swear to you, I wish I was getting paid something. Um, yeah. But they go, the grifters, grifters, grifters. And it's like, mate, I'm in, I'm in my spare room in my house. You know what I mean? It's like, I've got to get, you've got to wrap it up. I've got to go and have some steak for tea. You know, it's, yeah. I don't think people appreciate, most of us are just normal people. Mm -hmm. um, just desperately trying to get some sort of message out to just try. And even if it's just to convince one person to then tell that other person to tell. And even if they come back in five years' time and watch all this as like a, a learning educational thing, then, you know, we we hope be on the right side of history, you know. We are, definitely. Yeah, when he's older, you know. <laughs> when he's got five heads asking what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but, uh, I mean, like, listen, where can everybody find you? Um, I know that I've put it across the bottom there, but for those of us who um, read the subtitles or listen... Could you tell everybody where they can find you, please? Yeah, so I um, mainly use Twitter and Instagram, and my handle is below, but it's at Nazarin Veronica. Um, and yeah, I'm actually going to start putting out my own content, just like sit down videos and maybe filming um, the outreaches I go on. So if you want to see that, you can follow me on um, YouTube as well. Not follow. What's it called? Subscribe. <laughs> yeah, subscribe. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm not on YouTube anymore. We got booted yeah. just before Christmas. Yeah, I'm gonna do YouTube and possibly somewhere else as well, but I haven't figured out which um, mm. website I'm gonna use for that. But yeah, you can. I I think I'm Nazar and Veronica in there as well. So yeah, Nazar and Veronica on everything basically. Keep it simple. Same as me. Yeah. Medic map. <laughs> um wicked well listen thank you for your time stick around when i press stop please and don't disappear like some of the guests do no worries but i thank you for your time i really appreciate it please keep in the fight please stay in touch as well because obviously if there's anything i can do to help don't mind obviously linking up and um chatting to you but you're worse oh. than my mum when it comes to messaging literally like a day later i'll get a message back from you going, i'm oh, so yeah. sorry <laughs> Well, have all so these followers things. you know what i mean you're so busy no. <laughs> i was chuffed no. earlier today when i woke up and i was like i've got four thousand and one followers because for like about a year twitter's like you're not going to get to four thousand you're going to get four hundred wow. three thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, and then you're going to drop down and today i was like four thousand and one so i was like Woo! um mm -hmm. so high flyer yeah but, uh, high flyer. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> listen thank you for your time i'll speak to you soon uh thanks everybody thanks for all your support be good, strength and courage. See you on the flip side. Bye-bye.